Welcome to the GeoMob podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, be it for fun or profit. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the GeoMob podcast. With me today is co-host Stephen Feldman. Stephen, how are you doing? Welcome to 2021. Hi, Ed, and welcome to 2021. Back to you as well. I'm doing great. It's lovely to be looking at the gray skies in North London. Well, yeah, we're deep, we're deep in the winter here as well. So um, how was your break, Stephen? Break was good. I think we forgot what day it was most of the time. You kept saying, is it Sunday? Is it? But it was good. It was a good rest. And I can't quite say the batteries are recharged because they never really ran down. We've been in very slow mode for ages, but it was a good break. What about you? You went to the mountains. I was up in the mountains for a few days, yeah, just to get a change of pace. But similar, you know, not that much difference between break and and non-break. But nevertheless, did recharge a little, and and I'm ready for 2021. So that's kind of what we thought today's episode would be about. Let's let's first of all lay out our goals for the year, Stephen, so that we can, you know, figure yeah. out where we want to get to, and uh, and then at the end of the year we'll do a follow up episode where we where we see whether we made it. So. So what about you? What about your with Mapri? What are the goals for 2021? Well, Mapri is, is a hobby. It's never been a business model. And everybody who knows me from the Geomob knows that the first thing I ask every startup that presents at Geomob is what's your business model? And I have no business model for Mapri. But just before we, I look at my goals, what I thought was I ought to look back and... Um, we're just over two years into the project. We started it in September 2018 after the Dar es Salaam conference. And since then, we've published just under 500 maps and pictures and things on Mapuri. And this year, we published a little over 200 posts on the blog. So yeah, there's quite a lot of activity there. And I'm a little bit surprised that two and a half years in, we're still doing it. And I've still got the energy to do it and the enthusiasm to do it because it is well done, largely well done. me. Congratulations, Steve. That's yeah. nice. And what's fantastic is that the contributions keep coming in. You know, people keep, there are a growing group of people who keep sending us in posts and are enthusiastic about it. and. Uh, are on the lookout for maps in the wild all over the place. So, and what's what's the main way of consuming the the maps? It's on the Twitter feed, or there's a newsletter, or, or they come to the website, or how are people? Well, we've how are got, people using the service. We have all three, all three. The Twitter feed is yeah. We've got I think five hundred followers now, five six hundred followers on the Twitter feed. So obviously that's quite big and. We've got the website and, you know, as you know, the Twitter feed is fed from the website. You know, so when you publish something on the website, it appears in the Twitter feed a few few hours later. And we've also got the newsletter and without the newsletter is the easiest part of the job because it's completely automated. You know, it just picks up the posts for the week and sends a weekly email to people. And gradually that just grows and grows. You know, I mean, it's it's not the main 
mechanism of uh, consuming mapery, but it just keeps growing. So um, all in all, looking back, it's been surprisingly easy and surprisingly successful. But looking forward in terms of goals for this year, my main goal is to make it sustainable. And to make it sustainable, Ed, I need to get an assistant editor, somebody else who can handle the content, post it, engage with contributors, and generally take over some of the running of the site, the whole process from me. So using this podcast, and I'll post something on the um, on the website later on, I'm calling out to anybody who's a fan of Mappery and would like to be a co-editor of Mappery to reach out to me and have a chat with me about it because it's not a massive amount of work, but it would be a hell of a lot easier if there was somebody else sharing the load. Originally, Ken was doing that, but um, work commitments have meant that his involvement recently in the last year has been pretty low. So I'm looking for one or maybe even two people who want to get involved and take some ownership of the whole project. What kind of time commitment would this person have to bring? Like an hour a week? An hour, an hour and a half a week would be plenty. I tend to let it build up and then spend three or four hours about every three or four weeks. Yeah, an hour a week would be plenty. Okay. So it's not a big deal. You know, it helps if you've used WordPress, but if you haven't used WordPress before, it won't take you long to learn. You could do it from a mobile phone very easily. So... It's not a very onerous task, but it would one it would um it would lessen the load on me, but two, it would bring some new views, some new comment, perhaps a different sense of humor to the site, and that variety would could only be a good thing for the people who are reading it all right, well, I encourage any listener out there who's who's looking for a new project to get into there you go dive in it's a lot of fun. All so right. what about you, Ed? What about well, OpenCage? With, with OpenCage, unlike Mapri, we do have a business model. So congratulations. We do have some business goals. But like Mapri, the business has been growing slowly but steadily over the last couple of years. We, we've had, I would say the last two years, we've kind of had two big distractions. So two years ago, it was Brexit in that we, we moved the legal jurisdiction of the company out of the UK to, to Germany. So... That you know took up a lot of time and energy and and legal fees, but I have to say in hindsight, glad we did it. But nevertheless, that was a distraction. And then of course last year in 2020, that was the year of COVID. So you know, nevertheless, of course we we still grew and and improved the service and things like that. But but the point is, in both those years, we had other kind of things kind of distracting us. So so for this year, we really want to spend a lot more time on two fronts. One is marketing. So trying to think about ways as a kind of plucky underdog that we can do cost-effective marketing. And the second is, you know, just working on improving the geocoder quite a bit. So we've made a lot of progress there, but this is a task we could work on for the rest of our lives. So, but we have, we have, we think some, some kind of, some, let's say lower hanging fruit there that we, we need to finally crank out. So for at least for the first half of the year, that's kind of the goal. We'll have to see what the effects of, of COVID and the various lockdowns are on the macroeconomic situation. Unfortunately, it's, it's not looking good. But but nevertheless, I'm hopeful that we can we can hit our various targets. And, and I think we can. So I guess one perversely, one 
positive effect of of lockdowns and is you end up spending a lot more time on the on the keyboard than you perhaps would have would have otherwise wanted to so you know it gives us something to do so you're working harder we're working harder well but the key is always you know we're a small team so i mean we can uh, there are times you have to work harder but like you know even if we worked 24 hours a day it's it's still not going to be that much compared to our competitors you know the the google maps of this world so we need to always be thinking about how do we work smarter, obviously. So, and our, our, our resources, I'm, I'm proud of what we've built up as a business, but our resources are obviously limited. So we have to be quite clever. I've got so. to say, Ed, you made me laugh there when you referred to Google Maps as a competitor. Well, they are a competitor. And the thing is now we got, now we got Amazon jumping in because Amazon, uh, you know, saw that, I guess they, they saw we were, we were taking care of Google and then, you know, they thought, They'll get in on the game. So so we'll see. It keeps it interesting. One, I guess, uh, kind of moral goal, or let's say, is last year we were, as a business, we were able to increase our membership of the, our corporate membership of the OpenStreetMap Foundation. So we moved from bronze to silver. So we've kind of set ourselves a, a revenue goal. And if we hit that goal, then we're going to move up to gold. So, so let's see. Let's see Ooh. if we can pull it off. So, you know, we have plenty to keep us busy. What what should we say about our goals here for the Geomob podcast, Stephen? You know, we recently, you know, put out the, the 50th episode. But so, so what do you think? What should our goals be here for 2021 for the Geomob podcast? Well, at least 50 more. At least. One, one a week, I would say 52. Yeah. At least. at least one a week. I mean, I think, you know, we've talked about this before, about not wanting to flood the airwaves with our voices. But um, I think one of the challenges that we've had is that the popularity of the podcast has meant that we've had so so many people keen to do interviews with us, to sit and chat with us, that we don't get enough time to chat just the two of us. So I think a goal ought to be that we get at least one chat a month between the two of us. And if something, some event comes up that's particularly noteworthy, I don't know what, like a major business going going IPO or a takeover or some other event in our industry, that we, we feature those things quickly as well. Um, like you did with that ap- episode where you were planning to talk to James Fee and uh, you quickly turned it round to be a an episode about the Amazon location services, which was great, you know. And I actually managed to listen to that a day after you published it. And uh, and it was really useful because it told me what I wanted to hear. So I think we should focus, you know, if we were going to set two goals for ourselves, apart from an episode a week, it would be that we speak more regularly together and that we leave space to focus on events as they happen rather than um, just getting stuck in a ri- a routine of interviews. So those would be my goals for the podcast. What about you? I agree. And I'm, I'm thankful for everyone who has volunteered to uh, to interview and, and we've had some great conversations, but it, it has actually reached the point where, where now it's kind of almost overwhelming and, and it's a bit stacked up. Like we kind of have a bit of a wait list. So patience, I, I ask for patience from everyone who wants to be on the podcast. We will get to you. But I agree. We should also make sure we we take the time to kind of tell our stories and offer our own twist on on the various bits of industry news. So, um, and one other thing, yeah. I have got a goal, which is 
to actually attend a physical geomob anywhere in Europe so that we actually get to sit down together because 2021 has to be the year when we aim to restart social interaction. Let's hope so, Stephen. I mean, I think realistically, it would probably be kind of in the autumn, maybe based on what, what they're saying for the vaccine schedules or whatever. I, you know, I was talking at one point last, I guess maybe in September or so when things were not so out of control with the guys who organized things in Munich. And they were saying they weren't going to, they were toying with the idea of not having, not having a geomob event, but having just like kind of a, a beer garden meetup. So it would be kind of outside and, you know, you limit it to 10 people or whatever. And, um, but to try to bring back the social aspect in the end, it, it didn't go forward, but maybe something like that would be possible at some point in as soon as, Things are a bit safer, but until then, everyone stay safe and obviously get vaccinated as fast as you can. But, but yeah, I I would I would uh, yes, an in person event would be phenomenal. It's sorely needed. I, I do I, I miss it a lot. And I'm helping the um, the team in Buenos Aires with the phosphagy that they're planning at the end of September. And at the moment, the plans are for a physical event with a fall back to a digital event if virus circumstances don't allow a physical event. But uh, hopefully by the end of the year, we will actually be able to go to events and start seeing each other and life will get a little bit closer to normal. I don't think we're going to have normal this year, but something that's a little bit better than what we had last year would be much appreciated. You know, I, I was listening to some commentary about it the other day with the guy who seemed quite well informed, head of a public health organization. And his projection was that the next eight weeks are going to be miserable, you know, as but then very quickly, the as the vaccine rollout gets scaled up, that, that that's going to start kicking in. And hopefully then we should in the springtime, we should see things rapidly improving. Let's hope so. Let's, Let's hope, hope so. so. Nevertheless, until then, we have the podcast, Stephen. So, Indeed um, we do. So let's let's talk a bit. Oh, go go ahead. Maybe you want to introduce the the topic. Well, then there's been a phenomenon over the last, I don't know, the last few months. But I've noticed a few new voices appearing, talking about the business of geo. I mean, the one that comes to mind, obviously for me and up for you, I suspect, is Joe Morrison, who's been writing for a while now, but he started a monthly newsletter. He's got some interesting opinions. I'm not sure I agree with all of them, but uh, he's got some interesting opinions. And we'll put a link to, can we put a link to his signing up for his newsletter? Because I, anyone who's interested in how businesses work in, in our area, in the geospace, should read Joe's stuff. It's thoughtful. It's interesting. As I said, I don't always agree with it, but that doesn't matter. It's the fact that somebody's writing about business and strategy and what's going on. And I think that's useful. And he's not the only one. And we're going to, um, we're going to be looking at some of these over the next few months as we, we get the chance to chat. But let's just talk about what, what Joe wrote in his end of year post. And I'll give you the title. Google Maps moat is evaporating. And his hypothesis is that the, the massive advantage that Google had in its Maps product is gradually being diminished by the other players in the market space. What did you think about that, Ed? 
Well, first of all, I just want to echo your comment that yes, everyone out there interested in Geo should definitely subscribe to Joe's newsletter. It's it's great, and uh, his articles are always well worth reading. So recommend that. And who knows, maybe we can get him all here on the podcast at some point. Specific to the Google Maps mode point, well, you know, when when you're the number one, which I think everyone in the industry would say Google Google is the number one. Obviously. It can only go down. <laughs> you know, you can't, you can't, you can't be more in first place than first place. So, in that regard, at some point, uh, it, it would seem that Google would have to fade. I I tend to agree with his hypothesis in that you know the 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 cost of others of collecting data, you know, be it the mega players, the Googles, the Amazons, the Apples, Facebook, you know, that cost is is going down. Um, in terms of their new technologies, new, it's easier than ever to put cameras on a car. You know, they all have apps that are on the phones of millions of consumers who are moving around all the time. They all have huge audiences engaging with their products. And, it, you know, so there must be some ways you can incentivize that audience to fix the data, contribute the data. Um, and of course, some of them are are heavily investing in OpenStreetMap and Facebook, most obviously. You know, all of that adds up to the fact that Google's barriers to entry are declining, and you know, Google's advantages are, are diminishing. So I tend to agree. That doesn't necessarily mean though Google's going to disappear quickly or anything like that. And and you know, I I do think though I don't know. Whenever I talk about Google or think about Google. I speak from the perspective of someone who worked at Yahoo when Yahoo was the number one company. And we and I actually worked on Yahoo Search the final few years I was there. I mean, this was, you know, almost 20 years ago. So it's been a while. But but the point is we we saw Google coming. You know, it wasn't that we were clueless about Google. And we saw why people like Google better because we we Yahoo had ads all over their search banner ads and things and people were like oh i love google because it's so clean and simple you know that that took like one day to figure out but it was impossible to remove the banner ads and it was just impossible because they generated so much money and that would have you know required a change accepting to reduce revenue in the short term and no one could make that decision and so every month google search gained one percent of share one percent of share one percent of share and after about four or five years that adds up (laughs) Yeah, And so the thing is now, I mean, I use Google Maps and I fire up Google Maps and a lot of times now I can't, you know, you don't, you can't find the street name because it's so full of like restaurants and, and crap like this, you know, where you're just like, just show me the actual street name. And you can, you can imagine, I can imagine a, a scenario where inside Google and there must be people who are like, our usability is, has declined. It's gotten too cluttered. Let's clean it up. And you can imagine there's another voice saying, no, we need we need to get these small businesses to purchase ads or whatever. And and that's a tough battle to have. It opens the door for other people to create a different user experience. I mean, then you set aside the whole issue of the fact that, you know, Apple Maps is pre-installed on the iPhone. And at some point it becomes good enough that you don't need to install Google Maps. And so it's tough for Google. Well, it's always tough if you're the dominant player in a market by the extent that they are, because there's only one way that your market share can go. You know, where if you've got 70, 80% of the market, whatever the number is for Google, you know, for consumer mapping now we're talking, then it's tough, you know, and you're right, you know, and 
other players will nibble away at the edges and eventually that does result in some diminution in your market share. But the idea that anyone would overtake Google in the foreseeable future, you know, say the next decade, I mean, to me, seems pretty unlikely. Oh, Stephen, but man, Stephen, I can tell you again, I was at Yahoo when Yahoo was by far the number one. And I heard many people say that, you know, Yahoo, we're the, we are the Internet. No one, you know, how could Yahoo ever did go away? And 10 years later, I mean, I, there is still a website called Yahoo. But when was the last time you heard, ever heard anyone talk about no, it? No, that's true. That's true. The point about Google Maps, though, Ed, is that it's one small product in the Google portfolio. And I think you miss, we misunderstand Google Maps position in the Google ecosphere if we look at uh, the consumer mapping product. The whole purpose of Google Maps is to spatially enable the search capabilities, which is the principal engine of revenue and profitability at Google. But so, Stephen, let me flip that. Let me flip that on its head. What you're saying is the Google Maps product team cannot focus on making the best maps. Instead, they have to focus on pleasing all the other pieces of the org chart of Google. You know, and, and this is exactly what I lived through when I was working on Yahoo Search is, you know, we had plenty of ideas of how to improve the search that millions of users would tell us. And frankly, we could also look at, at people like Google and say, look, let's just do what they're doing. But it was impossible because other parts of the org chart, you know, the, the ads team was like, do whatever you want, but you will not get rid of that banner ad. And so as a result, you just couldn't, it was completely constrained by that. And I, I could envision a scenario where Google Maps is the same, where I'm sure they have great cartographers who say, look, this was the best, you know, let's do this experience. We can test it. We can see it's an improvement. And then other parts of the organization say, no, we, we got to sell the ad. We got to, you know, we need to, uh, we need to force the user to first log in because we need to have the, the usage stats and all these kinds of things. Okay. I'm not sure that they're selling ads on Google Maps. I think uh, well, I don't I don't know if they're ads or whatever, but like you go on there and it's it's like instead of showing me like the street, it's like the names of a hundred restaurants. I agree. You I know? agree. Things I agree. like that. I mean, so and and clearly that's because they're trying to get the relationship with these restaurants and these small businesses, and and obviously they've made a huge push to to get all these small businesses. And in some ways, it's good because then the small business updates their data and things like that. But the end result is uh, there are many times I'm like. This map is not showing me what I want. Like I'm, you know, it's not. It's no longer useful as a wayfinding tool. True, but um, conversely, if you're looking for, if you're looking for the restaurant, of course, for a Vietnamese restaurant, you, you know, wherever you yeah. are, you're in, um, sure, you're, sure. you're in Barcelona, and you fancy Vietnamese food. You know, show you know the ability to show you that is a different require need to the ability to show you how to get to Las Ramblas or whatever else it is that you want to get to in Barcelona. Yeah, yeah but people but, have different this, use cases. Exactly. So but this speaks to the difficulty of being the number one, you have to kind of address all use cases. And you open the door to the specialist who addresses only one use case and can do it much better. So it's, it's a difficult position they're in. Well, um, yeah, I'd argue, I don't want to run three or four different mapping apps on my phone so that I've got 
the best app for finding restaurants, the best app for public transport networking, and the best app for wayfinding or whatever, and another app for cycling or or hiking. You know, I mean, how many apps do people want? You know, there's always a conflict between being the jack of all trades and being the master of none. You know. Yeah. But we see we see the door opening, I think, for others, and and a because it's easier for them. You know, the the technology gets simpler, the gathering the data gets simpler, the OpenStreetMap gets better. But anyway, in coming back to the article, Joe's article, he does make some good points. I do think uh, that Google has done some things to shoot themselves in the foot. For example, uh, their price increase last year. Um, you know, I I don't fully. I'm sure they have a logic to it and they thought through it greatly, but it definitely turned a lot of people off, a lot of developers off from Google. So, you know, I don't know. Again, maybe I'm, I'm too trapped in my prism of having lived through the experience at Yahoo and watching Yahoo slowly but steadily decline from a position of absolute power. I, I see Google following some of the same steps. Nevertheless, Google has been, you know, Google Maps been number one for 15 years. So, you know, I mean, I'd, I'd cite the Microsoft example because I don't know how long ago, but yeah, 20 years ago, people were saying, you know, Microsoft was too dominant, you know, and that somebody else would come into the market. And, um, and the bottom line is that Microsoft still has, still maintains a massive market share in desktop. What changed for Microsoft was mobile because they missed yeah. mobile. And Just desktop, the, desktop became less important. And desktop so. became less important. What Google did pretty well is they got mobile early, you know, and they mark, you know, they dealt with mobile very, very successfully. And yeah. they own the mobile operating system as well, the dominant mobile operating system, which nobody saw coming. But let's let's take that analogy then, Steve. So, for example, so now Google Google did the um, price increase last year, and so maybe they they piss off developers. More developers start looking for an alternative. Maybe that alternative becomes Amazon. Maybe it's OSM or whatever. Then all of a sudden, as a, a small business owner, that currently the situation is you absolutely have to be if you're a small business owner, you need to make sure your data in Google is correct. Mm-hmm. And and actually, there are whole businesses set up around this. For example, Localistico, yeah. who has presented you know numerous times at GMO. But at some point, if if all the developers start switching, and as you surf around the web, you see other maps, then as a small business owner, you say, of course, I still need to be on Google, but maybe I also need to be on Amazon, or I need to be in Apple Maps, or yeah. I need to be in OpenStreetMap. Maps. So you know, then people rise up to people um, grow out of the ground like like locals to go to, to service that need. And all of a sudden, you know, the, the 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 difficulty of getting your data into all these platforms gets simpler. And then all of a sudden, you know, Google's data advantage kind of diminishes. OK, so I yeah, I hear what you're saying. I think you know, if you want to be a, a serious player, in consumer mapping, you need to have good quality data that's pretty up to date. You know, you could uh, you could wonder whether it matters whether it takes a week, a month, or two months to get a new street or a new location into the map. But you need your data to be pretty pretty up to date, high quality. 
you need to have an up-to-date places, locations, data set, which you know, has the latest information on restaurants and bars and shops and hotels and things like that. You need navigation. You need yeah. public transport. But Stephen, and I, you need I, all I, again, of those things. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm not sure someone will dethrone Google in consumer maps. I think it could more be the case that someone dethrones Google in each of those subcategories. You know, so for public transport, it's City Mapper. For navigation, you know, Mapbox spends a lot of their time on that now, and and they integrate with different auto manufacturers. So maybe then you know you'll have a car, and the car already comes with an excellent navigation system. Do you need to use Google? Not sure. No. You know, maybe for you know, I don't I don't know what you know Facebook will have all the places because it's it's where people are, you know, people are planning their events and mixing and mingling and say, meet me at this restaurant. I don't know. So the point is, you know, will someone rise up and create an exact clone of Google that is better than it? Difficult, very, very difficult. But will someone, will each of those subcategories have someone rise up and, and become equivalent or better than Google? Definitely possible. Mm, maybe. Definitely. And, and and I think that's how the empire declines. It's not, you know, Rome doesn't fall on the first day. First, the outer provinces start rebelling. A good historical reference. Yeah, I, th I think you may be right You're in that regard. Yeah, it's not going to be a, a sudden decline, but gradually some of the other, some of the other use cases will stop using Google or eat into Google's market share and that it will be a gradual process. I think probably... Well, you know, going back to the Amazon location services, you know, you've Apple, you've had Amazon launch location services. A few years ago, Apple launched Maps. Microsoft has been investing heavily in OpenStreetMap. So has Facebook. I think in the past, many of those people were using Google as their their main source of mapping, and yet they were embedding it. You know, and Uber, for example, was using Google as their mapping source right. as well, and etc. And I think all of those organizations are probably looking at Google as, as an existential threat to them, but just because of its size and its, its reach. And if they all start trying to disconnect from Google in whatever way they can, that will have an impact on the, the dominance of the mapping platform. Of course, um, at the same time, that they disconnect from Google, they may find uh, that there are consequences elsewhere in the search ecosphere from doing that. I guess two points kind of to close us out there, are three points. So first of all, yes, I, I agree with the analysis. Second of all, shocked that you didn't mention OpenCage as the competitor in the geocoding space because we're um, <laughs> Well, of we're course, but I take that for granted. Taking Okay. And third, I guess the other, the final open question is, of course, you know, new technologies, the same way we said, you know, mo mobile kind of surprised Microsoft. There is the potential for new technologies now to to continue to change things in the in the geospace. I mean, you know, I remember 15 years ago when Google Earth came out, it was absolutely mind-blowing because Google was the only one who had the resources, you know, financial and, and will to put together all the satellite imagery and the aerial imagery. And now lots of people have aerial imagery and it's, it's much more affordable. But also things like Pixelate, you know, these new LiDAR capturing street view kind of things, you know, lots of potential there that very quickly 
technologies that currently are quite expensive and and only usable by a mega uh, tech company, you know, someone like a, a Google or an Amazon of the world, you know, new technologies can quickly drive down the price and open all kinds of possibilities. So, so I guess the only conclusion we can say is watch this space Indeed. and, uh, and obviously I just want to reiterate, everyone should subscribe to Joe's newsletter, a very thought provoking article. He has several others that were also equally thought provoking to one about Esri, for example. So looking forward to what else he comes up with. Yeah. And well, I also want to just give a shout out to Chris Beddo, who's in the middle of writing a three-part series on mobile mapping applications. And we agreed that we'd wait until he published all three before we had a conversation about that. But that's another one that I would recommend people to, to look out for and to read his articles. Yeah, we'll, we'll get... That also linked in the show notes. So agree. Yeah, also a very thought-provoking discussion. And so look forward to the completion of that. And But in the interest of not having the episode be too long, I think we'll have to draw it there. And, I agree. But I agree. leave something for next time. So, all right. Well, let's wrap up then, Stephen. Happy 2021, everyone. And uh, thanks for coming along on the journey in 2020 on the podcast. And looking forward to a lot more coming this year. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today and listening to the GMOP podcast. Hopefully you've enjoyed the discussion. Please don't hesitate if you have any feedback for us or any suggestions for topics that we should cover in the future. You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. While you're there, if you're not yet on the mailing list, please do get on the mailing list where we once a month send out an email announcing future events, summarizing past events, and just generally sharing uh, events that you may find of interest. You can also, of course, follow us on Twitter, where our handle is geomob. You can follow Stephen at Stephen Feldman. You can follow me at Fryfogel. You can check out Mappery at mappery.org. And of course, if you need any geocoding, please check out my service, which is opencagedata.com. We look forward to you joining us again at a future episode, and of course, seeing you at a future GMOP event. Hope to see you there soon. Bye.